Mitchell, tell me what you had for breakfast today. Gosh, did you learn this from Zach about having people say what they ate for breakfast? No, I went to school for this and I'm a real fucking professional. You're about to learn. Yeesh. Well, (laughs) watch it. I don't think I had breakfast. I woke up in North Carolina this morning. North Carolina. And got on the plane and had some coffee. What kind of plane was it? An airplane. Ooh. (laughs) Wing on each side? Yeah, wing on both sides. Yeah, whole deal. You had coffee on the plane? Delta. Uh, No, I didn't actually. I guess I had coffee in the hotel, Embassy Suites. Very nice. Two drink tickets every night between 5.30 and 7. Nice. I'm just not old enough for coffee yet. (laughs) No, me neither. I've tried it. It smells delicious. I love the smell. Yeah. I'd make a pot of coffee every morning just to dump it down the sink. (laughs) Yeah, to smell it. I agree. It smells delicious. If you could wake up to the Folgers running, that Mm -hmm. would be ideal. Just running into the sink. Now. I just ordered so a new Blackstone grill. I got you the did? big boy. The, for big, Zach. the big one? I yeah, for me. I was going to say. For Father's it's, Day. Yes. Wow. My Father's Day gift. Yes. It should be here any day now. Are you bringing it with camping? No, it's Where too big are we for going that. camping? Oh, we're going camping this weekend, but not with you, I guess. But right. no, we won't bring it with. It's big. It's like 30. I want to do a hibachi grill some night. We you could, could do, do that. that on this thing. Yes. It's a third the size of this table. Okay. It's like three feet wide. I think you're two feet deep. me from Australia. Australia is calling you now? You should answer it. Put it up to the mic. Answer it. Hello? Hi, is that Mitchell? Yes, it is. Hi, uh, Mitchell, this is Mitchell Crescent speaking. How are you? I'm good. I'm recording a podcast right now, though. I need to call you back. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, mate. Do you have a pen? I'll give you my number. Wait, can you text me at this? Mine's a cell number that you're on. Or you can WhatsApp me. You go. I'll send you a text. All right, 10-4. Thank you, sir. Thanks. Seemed like you knew him. Yeah, was that more important than you thought no it was going to be? No idea who that guy is. No but idea. Aren't you? Didn't aren't you like doing stuff in Australia now or something? No, I don't have anything in Australia until now. I had some stuff in like South Africa, kind of stuff. Maybe that's what I'm. That's thinking. That's not a I'm South African number. Thinking. Is this South Africa burning down right that now? Definitely. <laughs> Did you Are see burning that? down? There's like a civil war going on in South Africa. Right now. Oh yeah, that's been going on for a while. But I think it's escalated now. Like, yeah. Today it definitely seemed escalated. The oh, pictures right. I got. Oh yeah, but, I really want to go What's there. your guy's name that came from South Africa, Randy? Yeah. Jocko. Jocko. So, Did Jocko didn't mention it? Jocko said it's really bad. He said the rest of the president for being corrupt, and now the mafia mm-hmm. is like burning down the place. <gasps> yes. The it's president crazy. was corrupt? Jocko no says way. it's bad. They put the president in jail because he's corrupt. So the mafia burning it down. That's the text I got from him. They're yeah. not shooting lead yet. They're, they're still shooting rubber bullets today, but might go to lead. So my first customer was in South Africa. I've been there twice. Like, like their hunting preserve deal. Where from first, Johannesburg? I've been to Johannesburg. The guys that I was working with, the my actual customers are more like Cape Town kind of area. Oh, okay. Way southwest. Way down yeah, there, yeah. It was like orchards and vineyards and stuff like that. But then fancy in the part middle, of South Africa. Very fancy. Yeah, yeah. Very fancy. Your first customer came from South Africa? Yeah, 2015. Did you not advertise around here <laughs> yeah you would have thought a little bit cheaper but yeah no i met him at a conference and i'm like hey yeah i can help you do some stuff and they're after i did it they're like send me an invoice and i'm like i don't know how to do that but did you, you make money like, off that yeah yeah going to south africa and i mean it was in program? rand it was in rand and rand is worth like nothing so Made a couple bucks once you convert it, you know, but yeah, yeah, it was quite the deal. When you go there. Did you figure out the exchange rate before you build them? No. <laughs> so you got back. <laughs> I don't really remember. <laughs> I just made 17 cents. Yeah. yeah the rent. I don't know what it is now, but at that point it was definitely not a very good exchange rate. 
I don't it's think it is still now. But no, this dude that I was down there with when I when uh, I was down there in like 2016, went down there and went you, to the you middle. You were only 11 years old in 2016. Yeah, I was like 11. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, I was like, <laughs> like I had to get a passport. You had to get your photo taken and stuff. Yeah. Like you had to go in there like, but you can't smile. You know? So it's. Kind of you fun. didn't smile for your passport picture. Oh, yeah, that's right. They don't yeah, you let can't. you. Yeah, you They're can't, like, smile. can't smile for your passport. No, they no, want you to no, be no. stone cold. They want you to just like. I think it's like. You like the kids. George Washington painting. They they want you to look nervous like you would be when you're trying to break <laughs> in. <laughs> Even with the kids, because the kids got passports this last year and they were like, no, don't smile. And, and Rhiannon was like. And then she just made her frumpy face. <laughs> I do. I do remember Rhiannon's frumpy face. I didn't know we weren't allowed we, to smile. Because she was like, "What? The, what's like? If I don't smile, this is the only other face that I make." <laughs> I mean, no offense to my daughter. I love her to death, but she has the ultimate resting bitch face. Like it is just like, just it's like she invented the thing. She really yeah. knows what a she's year and doing. A year and a half ago, when we went to Florida. Oliver goes up to the whatever the check person and hands DSA. him his hands him his boarding pass. And he grabs it and studies it for a while and looks at Oliver and he looks at it. And then he looks at him again and says, what's your name? And he turns around and just stares at us. <laughs> yeah. like, like, Wait, dude, which one am I just, They <laughs> tested Randy's kid and Randy's kid failed <laughs> miserably. He just stares at us and he goes, what do I say? Tell him your name. <laughs> he asked what your name was. Yeah. You, you got to tell him to work on that because when he's got a fake ID later when he's in college, you got to be He on. will you fail that. You got to be on. Yeah, I couldn't believe be just just turns around and looks at us. Like, what, what do I say? <laughs> your name. <laughs> we rehearsed it. Supposed to be a trick we question. rehearsed this the whole way here. <laughs> Have we ever brought up why I need a new podcast at the same time as the kids, Becky? You mean passport? Pass, passport, not a new podcast. <laughs> why you needed a new passport? Yeah. I don't know if we did bring that up. Oh, it's because you tossed it in the road ditch and it got, <laughs> it got mowed over by the county. <laughs> and my dad found it. 10 miles from here. Wow. Well, it was at his house, so don't make it seem like it was a random Which place. Is, well, <laughs> and I know the, the funny exact, part was, is well, why was I kidding? I climbed into her vehicle and I'm like, you just have our, our passports like rolling around in your car from when we went on vacation, like four months ago. Well, they were in my purse and then the kind children, of, kind of the in children your purse. just throw my purse down on the floor upside down. And you oh, just those so kids. happen <laughs> to catch that moment. Yeah. Which I stuffed them back in your purse. And then a week later, my dad called me. It like, was not a week later. It was like months later. I think I found your passport. <laughs> what? What do you mean? We didn't know it was missing. Well, it, I, I I saw the garbage in the road ditch, so I went and grabbed it. Here the thing had been laying in the road ditch. The county mowed it up, chewed it all up. It got <laughs> rained on. So he gathered it up, stuffed it in a Ziploc baggie. And brought it back to me. I'm like, oh yeah, that's that that's a picture of me there. After I go through a lawnmower and a few thunderstorms. Well, he thought it was mine too, but then I was like, yeah, no, he couldn't I, tell if it was I one or mine. both. I have mine. So then we had to bring it into the courthouse. Like, um, it's a good thing we found it because if you can't find it, it's a whole nother process to oh, get yeah. it. Like, Start if you over. can't provide it. So I had to write a handwritten description of what happened to it. 
to apply <laughs> for you, a replacement. It's not like did when you were in like Was it the whole thing like it was I, in my wife's purse for That is exactly months. what I wrote. <laughs> my wife left it in her purse four months after we went on vacation and <laughs> fell out of the car. My dad found it 10 miles away from where I live. The county motored over, went through some thunderstorms. Dad stuffed it into a Ziploc bag. <laughs> I wrote the whole thing. Meanwhile, we're going to- And I, I also, at the end, I put- the county's mower is fine. My passport is not. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, we're going to Mexico amid the COVID pandemic. And where we, of course, you know, didn't apply for passports on time for the kids mm. or for Zach. And so it like it comes down to the wire. So out of character Good. for us. Like yeah. they literally showed up the day like we're and we're also going with our friends that we're like rekindling a friendship with and. Mandy, our good friend, is a she's a worrywart, and she's like, "What are we gonna do? You don't have your passports." And I'm like, "Well, worst case scenario, you guys go. We'll just come a day late. Like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. We'll figure it out." And then they recommended that since it hadn't came, and they were like, "Well, we'll you need to cancel it, and then we'll reissue it." But then they were like, "But it's shipped, so now you're only gambling on shipping." And they're like, "It's in Mankato, Minnesota," and I'm like, "Which is that's pretty two hundred and." But it was there was a, there was a snowstorm, so if I canceled them, then we'd have to go to the embassy in Minneapolis to pick them up in person, or we could gamble on them coming from Mankato. And we gambled, and they did come, like literally the day before that day, left. the day we left. So you Nail open it. the mail, and there they are, and then oh. like, all right, let's go. You do not know how excited I was when I opened that mailbox, like, and saw those brown envelopes. Like, yes. We're Mexico. going to Mexico. It would have been hilarious if it was a returned, like your letter <laughs> just returned you of exactly what you wrote. That's my your dumb best. letter. <laughs> returned to sender. You need to wait a little bit longer, sir. Just with you another note that said we do, don't appreciate your humor. Yeah. We were going to reissue, but no, this isn't good enough. It, it would just say in big letters, grow up. <laughs> <laughs> That kind of reminds me of the story of one of our kids lost a, a tooth, their baby teeth. And I'm actually my dad's legal guardian. He has dementia. So the guardianship is filed in New Hampshire. And so every year I have to send like annual paperwork in that like, you know, says how the year's going and what we're doing and all this stuff. And one of the kids lost a baby tooth and I threw it in an envelope and put it up on the shelf. And then I sent in my dad's annual paperwork. And then like months later, I got a handwritten note from some lady in Concord, New Hampshire, that was like, thank you for your dad's paperwork. I think you accidentally sent us a child's baby tooth. <laughs> it definitely was. We're returning it. Like, <laughs> Oh, my gosh. They sent it back. Have like, a great can year. Can you imagine you know, a state worker? Most yeah. of the time you don't get what you need, but the baby tooth came back. They sent the baby tooth back. Yeah, they did. And I was so, like, that's So if any of the listeners have ever been talking to a clerk that works at the state and in says, Concord, I got Hampshire. a, I got a baby tooth in the mail <laughs> from Minnesota. One of our children. Like we want to hear from you. Yeah. <laughs> You're the next person coming on. Oh, boy. Yes. Okay, who do we have on the show today, I was Zach? just going to say we should probably hit on who we have I here. I thought we should just stay like, let's just not. Let's make it a mystery? Yeah, mystery? let's make it a mystery the whole Comment time. Comment down below if you got a guess on yeah. who we've got here in the Off the Husk podcast. <laughs> big prize, big prize, big money, come on. We've got Mitchell Hora, Continuum Ag in the house. This is like a fieldwork podcast meets Off the Husk. 
It's been in the works for a little bit. I've been excited for this one for a while. Like I came prepared. I mean, not telling anyone what I came prepared with. You brought a whole case of bush light. I came prepared. <laughs> Which is almost gone now because we did a crop scouting tour. Yeah, earlier. I brought my shovel. We went and dug. A shovel and a case of beer. That's all I brought. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, Zach and Mitchell have a fieldwork podcast on Minnesota Public Radio. We are through three seasons three now. Three seasons. Working on four. Season four, actually. We could tease it right now. We've been teasing it all evening. But no names. Nothing, no, no details. No, no but season details. four has a big, no shocking reveal. Wow. Ha. <laughs> Randy's so shocked. Look at the, look at the, look at the, it's, look it's, at Randy's face. He's I think so shocked. scared him. The shocker. Oh, no, 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 no. That's, that's why he looked like oh, that. He just oh, wanted yeah. to say the shocker. Hey, different. turn the live sign on so the children know. Oh, is that, is that different from the equalizer? Uh, yeah, uh, I think they're, they're very different. Remember with the equalizer. I don't remember well, either. Well, it's, it's the same as the shocker. It's the same thing? Yeah. Oh, so then, well, why did you ask the question if you knew the answer? Well, I want to know if you guys knew the answer. <laughs> it's just like every time he says Famunda, he has to explain what it means. Yeah, because <laughs> you just don't know. <laughs> All right, so what do so you guys- Mitchell, Mitchell is my co-host on the Fieldwork Podcast, which we say is by farmers for farmers, because that's true. But you don't have to be a farmer to listen. You don't have to be a farmer, but- You could be interested in water quality. Soil health. Digging for worms. Farm management practices. Yeah, digging for worms. Or just like hanging out. Hanging out. But we behave pretty good. Yeah, the the yeah, fieldwork podcast is actually, I'm going to say considerably different than the Off the Husk podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's like Maybe opposite. Your children can even listen to the fieldwork podcast. Yeah, there's no bleeps. There's been a couple bleeps. I've listened to a couple episodes of Off the Husk and- I have officially rated off the husk explicit, and I'm not taking it back. So no more bleeps? Well, I think we can still bleep it, but I just went and I researched all the other podcasts that like Zach listens to and what fellow people in our genre are doing, and they all just rated explicit. So I just decided to just go for it. All right, well, well, what well, the well, fuck? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, well, shit, what are we, we going to talk about now? <laughs> Anything explicit. I mean, there, now I don't it's think there's open. a limit. Like literally wide Apple's fucking permission. open, buddy. <laughs> Apple's permission to say whatever the fuck we want. Yeah, anything. Right. So we can add dick jokes. <laughs> this is the notes. Wow. I-C-K jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and there's my notes for the whole show. Yeah. All right, Mitchell, what is okay. Continuum Egg? What is okay. your background? Right. Who are you? Which Continuum Egg has nothing to do with the Fieldwork podcast. No, completely separate. No. It's a whole separate business for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, Not only are you America's third, fourth best podcast host, yeah. you I mean, have a side gig. Yeah, <laughs> probably, probably working this way down. Rant, how soon into it did like Randy like pass me up? Like, was it episode one or did it, they wait till like three? Which episode was Sue Makes a Mean Hot Dish? Like five. Oh, yeah. five. Because I still Four. hear about that one every day. <laughs> yeah. We need to get Joey back on. Yep. That one was pretty But good. they told oh. so many stories. I think it just probably oh, tell yeah, them they again. ran through all of them. There's no stories left. <laughs> oh, God. We, we didn't type. Yeah. We hit on the ones that came to mind. Right. Yeah. We could do that again. But yeah, I'm like the, like, maybe fourth, fifth top podcaster, you know, in the country. You're top right. six or seven for sure. At least sure. in like the upper Midwest. Right, know? right yeah. behind, upper Midwest. right behind Rogan. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we're working on, we're working on that. Yeah. Yeah, we're working on yeah. Rogan. Mike, Mike Rowe, Joe, Joe Rogan still has yeah. you. Joe is difficult to deal with. Right. Yeah. 
And yeah. Mike Rowe, where's he been? He was going to come on this show. Mm. Yeah, he he messaged me yesterday, and he, he apologized for not getting back to us sooner, and he was going to be with us real shortly. Yeah. Well, Mike, I mean, we're trying, buddy. I mean... <laughs> Anytime, haven't heard from you. <laughs> Still waiting. Still We're here. The mail. We're here, Checking but it's no, it's cool. We got Mitchell. Yeah. <laughs> we'll settle. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. So. But yeah, no, I'm all the way from uh, Iowa. It's a big place like south of here. Yeah, I've seen it on the map. Yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of like right in the middle. Like pretty much nobody really cares about it that much. No sports teams. The windstorm no, went no through there last teams. year. We had, we had this derecho that nobody's ever heard of. Did you get it? No. Just shy. You were just, just south of the, that? So we were just south. I did lose a tree at my house, but like the really bad stuff, it so was all north. Was it a big tree? It was a pine tree that was probably like maybe 40 oh, foot. Those things are pussies. They always fall down. Yeah, they're easy to clean up too. So you just drug that in the woods. Super easy to clean up. Literally. Oh yeah. Oh, I got to tell a story about that. But yeah, it literally snapped off like a third of the way up. Oh really? Yeah. It snapped off a third of the way up, like clean in half. A third of the way up. Meanwhile, the elephants Kids are, are upstairs. Speaking of things falling <laughs> apart and falling <laughs> in on us. Yeah. I don't know if the, the mics kids. picked that up or not, but it's a heck of no, a thudding this tree, situation. This tree like snapped straight in half a third of the way up. We let it dry. In, wait, whatever. in half, a third of the way up. Well, <laughs> in half, but it was in half like the other direction. <laughs> that actually wouldn't make sense. You're either. terrible at math. math. Well, but I couldn't see the roots and stuff. Maybe it was half. Well, well, so it went all the way down. No, no. So I explained it totally wrong. It cut it clean off. <laughs> okay, a third I of the way this up. isn't true. Ah. Yeah, yeah. So the roots off. were still under the ground. Roots were still under the ground. It okay. cut it off like maybe like ten foot high or something like that. Gotcha. 10, 15 foot high. Snapped her clean off. We piled her up, let it like I let it dry there for quite a while. And I think it was maybe earlier this spring or so. Burn off awesome. some lighter up. Oh yeah, that except when you when big you big black smoke. And when it, you have a bonfire around them, it leaves like the the black ash all over you. Oh yeah. Hey, black ash. <laughs> <laughs> we need a bleep. For that one. <laughs> no, that's a half baked line. Is it? Yeah, that's well. The look, half Blake. The half look Blake. you. I wish I had a video of the look you just got. <laughs> that's from half baked. At least forty seven percent of the listeners. How much will of half baked is still politically acceptable today? Mm, ooh, I'd say a third to a half. So, <laughs> wait, which way are you snapping that? Like, oh, half, yeah. so being <laughs> up, so we'll come. Up. We'll come back to this. But so my parents. When Half Baked was in the movie theater. Oh, God. They hadn't been to a movie together in like 30 years. They went to They went to Half Baked. They go there. How were they? had to be like, like 50. 45? Yeah, 40, uh, 50. Because I remember it. I was older too. Why? What made them drive by the front of the cinema and look at the posters? I and bet think, they just they wanted they to go. To they were going to go to a movie and they went to the movie theater and, and they, they went. Mitchell's missing. And they had. We to were going to point that out. <laughs> so they go to the movie, and I think the one like they hadn't been to a movie together since we were born. You know, it, we were we were adults. Us kids were. We definitely haven't since we've had kids. You and I oh. to a movie? So they go to a no, movie together. I think the last time you born. and I went to a movie was for our first date, honestly. Could be. Dad's going to kill me. That was this. a terrible movie, too. So they go there, and the movie they went to see was sold out. So they're like, wow, like, like what else starts soon? Do you know what movie that was? I don't. 
<laughs> Dad probably He'll does. He'll tell us. He He's going to yeah, hear he about that. So, he, he, so they go through them and they're like, ah, oh, half-baked starts pretty quick. And they're like, oh, like, okay. Like, no oh, idea. It's a comedy. <laughs> and they go in there and Dad's like, ah, the first thing I thought was wrong when I walked in there and we were the oldest people there by 40 years. <laughs> what do you think all the kids thought? Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> In the field, there's no time for downtime. And when the pressure is on, you need to trust your equipment to stand up to the task. That's when you turn to Mystic for performance and protection you can count on. Mystic lubricants are specially formulated to keep up with your demands. Now, you might be asking yourselves, how can that be? Mystic products are developed in real-world conditions with real-world workers in mind. And that means that your equipment is covered regardless of what's happening outside. With Mystic, you can get to work with confidence knowing your lubricants are engineered to thrive even under the most extreme and unforgiving conditions. Go ahead. Put your equipment to the test anytime, anywhere, because when it comes to superior performance and unmatched protection, Mystic always delivers. And when your equipment is protected, so is your livelihood. It's the reason so many folks choose to ride with Mystic. Because out here, performance under pressure isn't a request. It's a requirement. Go to mysticlubes.com to learn more about their line of products. That's M-Y-S-T-I-K lubes.com. So, so this tree, that's two-thirds broke off. Two-thirds we- broke off. I piled her up, let it dry down, lit it, and I had to stand back like a long way. because my burned hot. The oil in there. Hot. So big the black, it literally like, I mean, it was a big pile of like, Big black big, hot tree. <laughs> big back. Smoky, that's why your that's why your Christmas steaming. trees burn down your houses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just I hope oh, you they, just, they go woof. Yeah, it I was, hope you didn't use gas. No, no, no gas. Because I did that once and would <laughs> recommend it. Oh, Becky yeah. learned you should use the gas and then light it immediately. Don't use the gas and then go in the house to get a lighter. Almost died. Scary. Yeah. Mm. Vapors are very flammable as well. Lost yeah. an eyebrow. All of my eyelashes. A lot of my baby hairs and, so, and so second I, degree burns on my entire right arm. So Mitchell could probably answer this question, but we were in a temperature. What's Inver- that called? The inversion? Temperature. Inversion. Yes. Because if the fumes stayed at the ground. It wouldn't have been that, as bad. Right? Is that what that means? Is that like the, with the dicamba stuff? Yeah. So the dicamba the stays at the ground. So something's colder than something. So then the air yeah. stays at the ground and then it moves across the ground. It's like those, e- those evenings fumes. when the dust, you drive down a gravel road and the dust just hangs yeah. there. Because otherwise those fumes would have went up into the air and would have dispersed. And gone. Yeah. But if they're held at the ground, they're still there. And, then and it, it was a it calm day and it was early spring and I didn't use much gas at all because I was super nervous about it to begin with. That's why you need at least with. three miles per hour wind but to spray But I had no say. idea. Like I always thought that you don't throw gas onto a fire. I thought I was being smart because I always remember, you know, if you throw gas on the fire, it'll follow it back oh, to yeah. your hand. You know, that's stupid, right? But so at least I then thought, you can throw the jug. I yeah. thought I was I've always thrown it on. <laughs> smart. But instead, what I got was just a fucking bomb. A bang. I've never been. A woof. I honestly swear to God, I almost died during childbirth, and this was way more traumatic. It was ridiculous. <laughs> way more traumatic than Rhiannon's birth? Yes. Like, to date, mm. I still, like, talking about it. Not for me. 
because I was in the yard. And I just happened to look up and yeah. I was like, oh, wow, that fire's really I going. Whoa, a mushroom call cloud. You. <laughs> Meanwhile, I went in the house. I, I had an Ativan left over from our trip to the Rocky Mountains. I took that and a Percocet. Rocky waited Mountain. about Bye. 45 <laughs> minutes until I couldn't take the pain anymore and then drove myself to the ER. Zach's in the field planting, left the girls home alone, never mentioned it to him. I'm like, oh, God, I'm in so much trouble. Nobody's ever like. Zach had to drive himself to the ER once. Oh, yeah. But I did. <laughs> I did. Was but Zach, in, cool, the, was Zach in the bubble bath shaving his legs? <laughs> yeah. Is that why you had to drive yourself? <laughs> <laughs> uh, good Just times. chillaxing. So <sighs> the tree, is it still there? No, it was snapped right in half. I We took down the rest of it. We, you took down the rest? Yeah, yeah. Would it have kept left growing? It and see what it no, would no, have no. done. You, you think, think it would have died? Th- this tree was like 15 inches around. This is like a big tree. 15 inches around. But if you just I broke bet it would have come back off. and just looked goofy. But then yeah, it would have been looking and... real goofy. Yeah, it needed to go down. But then the it power did, lines chop the them ones. off and they uh, leave them. Yeah. I, that is so ugly. Why do they yeah. do that? Just yeah. get rid of no, them. No, we got rid of it. Uh, we got rid of it. Did it just screw up your, did you have like a, a line of? Nah, it's like super old. So I actually live in the house my wife grew up in. And so we live there and it's kind of like. I'm about 25 minutes off the farm and like 15 minutes to my office. She's like 20 minutes from her dance studio. My wife owns a dance studio. So she's got her own deal kind of going on. So your your wife grew up 25 miles from your farm? From Hold me. on. What age are the dancers? Good question. I'm Not glad you adults. jumped in on that one. Yeah. Anywhere from like two to like 18. Okay. Two years old. Yeah. Two years old. Yeah. Different Not, studios not like I'm twos to 18s. Like two years old to 18 years old. Okay. Yeah, I was just curious. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, it's like tap and ballet, you know, but like the normal. Yeah. So I'm assuming in Iowa, if you live, you said 25 miles, what'd you say? 25 minutes, like off the farm. So like from where we live now, like the farm's like 25 miles north. So if you're in Iowa and and your neighbor's 25 miles away, like that's your next neighbor, right? Well, yeah, that's like a neighbor, yeah. So you knew them like growing up the whole way through. Oh, yeah, yeah. Were you guys high school sweethearts? Junior high sweethearts. No, uh, how romantic is that? Yeah. For real? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we've been together for like, I mean, yeah. Stuck together through college and all the, the whole, whole deal. Wow. The You've been deal. together for a whole 10 years? Yeah. <laughs> she graduate no. with you? No, more than 10 years. That's no, she's year, she's younger than I am. That's better than Zach and I. I We don't run along people more that, that have been oh. together longer than Zach and I very often. Yeah, we like, were together. Earlier than us. My senior year. My junior partway through my senior year, your junior year, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. So yeah. now we've been we've been married. Although for sometimes we offer argue about that because I swear three it was my married. sophomore year. But we got, so yeah. first kid on the way. We got married. Yeah, February. You guys are having a baby. Eighteen. We have a baby on the way. Does oh, Zach right. know that? First I did You're know that. terrible. I did know first that. Children. Uh, Congratulations. First children. Thank you. Yep. You say children. No, children. No, okay. Uno. Uno child. Uno childo. Uno child though. <laughs> Middle of November. Do you know what it is? No. It's probably is it too early or just not gonna find out. No, we're we're plenty along, but yeah, we're gonna find out in November. When yeah. it happens. That's what we Keep did with our surprise. first. I don't regret that at all, not oh, knowing. Yeah. I thought it was nah. I thought it was cool. Yeah. Yeah, we're keeping it keeping it a surprise. Yeah. Yeah, she's been like working on all kinds of different stuff and like the house has all been worked on. I mean, we have a super old house, so it needs a lot of work, but and now it's there's been, a tree missing. Yeah, we got a tree missing. 
We never but, got to what Continuum Ag does. Yeah, we haven't actually, like, I don't know what we're supposed to be talking about on this podcast, but... Anything. You this know is what? totally off the husk. There is no structure to this whatsoever. Uh, Some people, if you read the reviews <laughs> of our podcast, get really angry because they say that we just are just ridiculous because they don't know what's going on and they can't, we just go off the rails too much. Oh, that's fine. I, I know not- what you say to those people. <laughs> but I want them to listen, so I won't say it. <laughs> you people, you people, you're entitled to whatever you want to say. But there are other podcasts. Yeah, yeah, I mean, get out of here. This is not on the husk. This is off of it. So we can go wherever we want. I mean, to. But like off the husk wouldn't be more like off the cob at that point. Like it's on the cob or off the cob. I mean, we don't question the name of the podcast. I Randy mean, just I came up with it. Yeah, I mean, Randy's a genius. So. It started from off the cusp well, yeah. and yeah. then went to husk. Off husk. The husk. That was yeah. like episode one. Was it one? I think it was one. We, I know we definitely did, did not have a name for title it. title it on air? Yeah, on air. Yeah, we did. Uh, not officially, but I'm we were have like. to go back and listen to that. That's Yeah, fine. I remember that. We were like, that might be the name. That I might be the name, yeah. I don't remember what we were talking about, but I was thinking no. about Hillary Clinton because there was an off the, right off the stiff red cuff uh, yes. Like Saturday Night Live thing with Hillary Clinton. It was like the between two ferns with Zach Galifianakis that she did with him. And he was asking her about Trump's like red power tie. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't see the, no. Oh yeah, you gotta watch I'm gonna make so a note funny. of that. Yeah, yeah. Hillary Clinton, Zach Galifianakis between two ferns. So funny. Hilarious. Power tie. Hilarious. <laughs> between. Yeah. Dos. <laughs> Write that one down for later. Put that in the show. Put that one in the show notes. <laughs> Write that down. I did. Okay, so continue egg. Okay, yeah. Is so it egg or ag? Egg. Well, you guys say egg up here, but we say ag because you know ag. Iowa. Ag. Where you're from in Washington County, Iowa. I'm in Washington County. You Iowa. say? Can you say agriculture for me? Agriculture. He says ag. ag. Agriculture. He says ag. agriculture. Yeah. Becky can't tell the difference. She doesn't know. Ag. Egg. Because we say agriculture. Egg, agriculture. Right. So you have nothing to do with chickens. Zero chickens, yeah. Okay. No, no, when you no go chickens. shopping, you put your groceries in a grocery cart. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best oh, answer yes. yet. <laughs> a grocery bag. No, we don't say bag. We say a grocery bag. But usually first you put it in the cart. Then after you check out, then you put it in the bag. It's a grocery it, it works, bag. It works the same bag. way here. We put it in a cart first. <laughs> yeah. So we put it. <laughs> so should I explain like what I like? Continuum I agriculture. Yeah. Let's yeah. get Start back to beginning. continuum, which is Mitchell's business here. So yeah, I'm Mitchell Hora. I'm a seventh generation Washington County, Iowa farmer. There's an R in it. Mm-hmm. Not actually. It's actually Washington, Southeast Iowa. And yeah, I have this company continuum ag. My business card says I'm the founder and CEO, which sounds very fancy. So did you start the company? Made that card yourself. Started her. Yeah, made it myself. You can write whatever you want on them. But yeah, started in 2015. How old are you? I will be 27 here in a couple days, probably by the time this drops. You started at 21? I started when I was, I think it was like 20. No, Correct me if I'm wrong, but you like double majored, right? You're like a smart kid. Yeah, so my degrees are in agronomy and ag systems technology. What say that again? Agronomy and what? Agronomy and ag systems technology. Okay. At Iowa State, graduated in 2017. Different than ag. Different than 
Egg. Yeah, it wasn't egg systems technology. It was yeah. ag systems <laughs> where they incubate the eggs. Big difference. Yeah, they're <laughs> those a are across light. the hall from it's each other. It's a light that goes yeah, over the like, top yeah, of the butt nugget. Yeah, they're across the hall. <laughs> but yeah, so doing like dirt kind of stuff and soil. We built this software and we got stuff all over the world. Yeah, soil. It's supposed to be soil. You but. built a software? Yeah, yeah. So I, well, I didn't build it. I have developers that built it. So Continuum Ag right now, at the recording of this, we're about like 20 employees. And all over, um, we just hired like five more people in India. Never been there, but got like people there. What are you doing in India? They got software they're de- developers. They're, they're software. That's yeah, their computer software people. people. They're well, developing. So my, my main computer people, like, so my main guys in Illinois and my main gal that designed all of it is in LA. Zach was just down at my. Does she approve uh, of gal being from LA? Gal? Yes. She okay. approves of gal. And is that uh, an offensive do, term? Well, it yeah. depends what your in pronoun LA. is. Yeah, in LA, you gotta check. <laughs> oh, you don't have that in Lowry, Minnesota. You don't have to put your pronouns out there. Can no, you can you ex- can you explain the <laughs> long the, hairs uh, and shorts? <laughs> <laughs> but not always. But, but Come on, I now. was gonna say mustache or no mustache, but like that's, that's probably not a, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's not, that, there's some <laughs> crossover there. Yeah, yeah, that that one's not a good metric. Yeah, Randy, write that one down in the notes. Mustache yes. <laughs> can't determine male or female <laughs> based on if they have a mustache. Mustache. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't know what we're talking about. You're gonna lose your whole business. Oh yeah, it's fine. But yeah, no, so we like we do like carbon, like we quantify soil health. Like we specialize in the Haney test. So I was actually I started the company, I was living in Minnesota. Not that far from here. Not that far in Wilmer, Minnesota. I actually lived in New London, hung out on Green Lake all the time, up in Spicer. Went through there on my way up Did here. Did you go to Zorba's? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've been to Zorba's. <clears throat> oh, yeah, it's a good place. Yeah, Hammerschlagen. Um, I don't know if I have done the Hammerschlagen there. We were there. Were you with? It's like the Hammerschlagen everywhere else. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, I'm sure. Is I've, I've never had Zorba's on Green with you. Game? Yeah, that's when you pound the nail into the, like party. the... We were at Zorba's that night? Yep. Playing Hammerschlagen. No. Yep. I do remember that. It is a, yeah. a tiny part of what I remember that night, but I we tracked stopped there on the way to Wilmer. There. Yes. What's it been, two and a half years and you just pieced this together for me? Well, yeah, because of Hammerschlagen. <laughs> Zorba's. I remember thinking like, Green this is a great Zorba's idea. Zorba's was open that late at night? Uh, yeah. We yeah. were there a little earlier. bar. Yeah, but we got to, <clears throat> we got I remember to walking into the green mill in Wilmer and, and they I got out of the out. bus and I was like, what, what are we doing? In, we're in Wilmer. <laughs> yeah, we had we're one, an hour away. Yeah. We had one beer and they kicked us out for last call. I didn't even get a beer. And I just remember two dudes fighting and they like grabbed my shoulder and said, you guys are out of here. And I was yeah. like, well, then I am going to pee between two cars in your parking lot. <laughs> That's and I up. did. That's what's <laughs> up. <laughs> Good. No, I... I was up here 2015, just like an internship kind of deal or whatever. And then met these guys from South Africa at a conference at the end of the summer. And they were like, hey, we're doing this Haney test thing. Well, we got to go back. Where, where, where was schooling? I went to Iowa State. Iowa State. Yeah, yeah. So then you ended up in Wilmer. Because my roommate in the fraternity house, his dad owned the company in Wilmer. It's called Inez Consulting. Okay. And that's their family, like agronomy. They're a consulting sure, okay. company. Okay. So, so, so you're there working for them. I was there working Interning for them. Interning or something. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It was, it so was just a summer internship. Is that how agronomy. you ended up at the seminar? Yep. 
So that's how I end up at the seminar. So they work with like a lab called Brookside Labs. It's in Ohio. They have a network of like independent crop consultants all over the world. I went to the conference because they were talking to a bunch about soil health, hung out with these dudes from South Africa. They were like, well, hey, we're trying to figure out soil health. And here's this Haney soil health test. Like we're trying to figure out how to use it. What's the data mean? I'm like, well, I just spent the whole summer working on that. And I'd built kind of some analytics systems around how to analyze the test. I'm like, well, Hey, send me the data. And they sent me a whole bunch of data and I analyzed all of it and send it back to them. And they're like, well, send us a bill. Were you, were you planning on starting your own company that time? Yeah. Yeah. So I actually started writing business plans during my freshman internship. Okay. I was working for a different agronomy, like consulting company that year. So that had been fall or summer of 2014. So it's always been like, have my own deal. So the family farm is about 700 acres. So it's not near enough to be able to have like my parent, my, my dad farms full time. Sure. And you there's know, just it's, not it's, room. Yeah. There's just not room for me to be able to, to go in there. And I, and I've always been doing other stuff and I was always entrepreneurial, always through like being a little kid and stuff and had multiple different ventures all the way through. You're and, a busy guy. You're not a tractor seat guy. It seems like. No, no. I mean, I, I, I love the tractor seat. I mean, I love doing that, but it's, I can only, I mean, shoot this year. I was only in the tractor seat for maybe, you know, I think I planted like a 15 hour day, the one day during right. planting, but I was like out doing projects all over the country, but we planted everything this year in like nine days. Yeah, I mean, 700 yeah. acres, 12 rows at a time on the corn there planter, the 20 foot at a time. Dad's dad's hammering down, you know, we had great planting. It was our fastest planting ever. Yeah. It was the same way here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was gone for a couple of days and dad had it all hammered out by the time I even got home during harvest. I mean, it's, it's all hands on deck, of course, during harvest time, but right. And our farm is actually pretty spread out. I mean, we, our furthest farm is like 25 miles away. Oh man. Yeah. yeah, Yes. We go a haul, but that's the farm that my mom grew up on. So my family farm is it's farmer's all the way back to Czechoslovakia and Germany on both sides. So do you oh, rent wow. any land in Czechoslovakia yeah, or Germany? We should. I mean, I'm probably, <laughs> I probably like it, have inherited some by now. I probably, one would it. think, right? I might be like a prince or something. in Czechoslovakia. <laughs> Do they have those there? Yeah, yeah I would think. I mean, Sh- you're a German prince. Shipping German. the tractor over in time for planning gets a little hairy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. Yeah. I mean, especially with like the, you know, COVID really kind of screwed that up on being able to get your tractor. And it's annoying to have to wear a mask in your tractor when you're loading it on the ship. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Regulations, red tape. It's kind of a pain, but yeah. So, you know, we've been technically your first customer was from South Africa. First customer was from South Africa. You have that invoice hanging on your wall. No, but I should. I don't Do know you if have that, that invoice, invoice in your QuickBooks system? No, I didn't have a QuickBooks system at that time. It was, I think I sent them an email of like, hey, here's like kind of what I think it's kind of worth. So I went to. It'd be cool to um, have that. Actually, that so be. we interviewed Kevin Kimley on the podcast. Yeah. On Fieldwork. That's work. where I met Kevin on the Fieldwork podcast. On the Fieldwork, yes, yeah. Yes, good clarifier. We went and. Uh, he was the guy we talked about the personality test. The with, personality right? test stuff. So Kevin that runs, still throws me for a loop sometimes. Oh yeah, yeah. Our personalities were. I guess I'm an asshole. <laughs> I don't well, even I want to know. Confirmed. You didn't need no idea. You needed no test for me to tell you that. <laughs> no idea. But yeah, so I went to him and I was like, "Hey, I got these guys that are eight time zones away in South Africa. I only really communicate with them now via email." I just did all this work for them. 
They have no business working with me, but they said, Hey, send us an invoice. And I don't know how to do that. What should I do? And we worked through it. And then (laughs) that's why I got involved in like their startup, like incubator deal, send them the invoice. And I've been down there twice since. And I still work with those guys here today. That's cool. And yeah, Yeah, so yeah. So I've been down there twice and like visited all these huge farms and stuff. It's freaking awesome. Like going down there and just seeing how farming works, you know, in totally different geographies and just super diverse. The initial farms that we were working on, it was, it was plums and wine grapes and stuff. Cause they have like amazing wine country down there. So oh, those that's are around guys. Cape town. That's in Cape town. So yeah. So like Western South Africa. Yeah. The Western Cape, huh. but yeah, so I've been all over like South Africa. So the first time going down there, um, actually Iowa state, like they had a deal that they paid for my way down there the first time. Awesome. And yes, yeah, so that was, a that's a pretty sweet deal. That's yeah. really so cool. That's a, yeah, I take that opportunity. So dad went down there the first time. And then my wife went, went with me and the second time I was supposed to go back of course, but then COVID of course, you know, you guys might've heard of it. What's that? There's yeah. this, yeah, this like COVID deal. I mean, I think mm-hmm. it's fake news, but we uh, so, yeah, kind of screwed things So in the next year, you might be going back then? Yeah, so I'm hoping to. So they were supposed to come up here, um, no, my guys down there. Delta variant. Oh, yeah. We're all going to die now again. <laughs> Round two, <laughs> death to everybody. But yeah, no. So I've so been down there. And then basically what I did was, you know, I helped these guys out down there. It was my junior year of, of college. And I was like, well, hey, let's try to figure out how to do this here in Iowa. Use the, the Haney test. Took my last internship off. I worked for myself and was able to, they had like a cost share kind of deal, whatever. So before senior year, I was back around home, built up the company and then was able to do that just full time coming out of college. And, and yeah, now I've been able to continue to build it up. Our, I think our current footprints, like 40 States and 12 countries and yeah, somewhere around 20 employees and, and uh, doing a bunch of this carbon stuff now, which we've, Tried to talk about carbon here before, and carbon's still this like weird, you know. We kind of cleared up some of the carbon stuff for me anyway on a previous Off the Husk podcast. I think because we that need was way over my head with, when we first started steel. that on with yeah. steel, yeah. yeah, yeah, steel. So yeah, to, like, I've clarify steel for what like, exactly multiple we're doing. years, and like he real like really gets. It. I mean, there's certain people that get it, and steel definitely really gets it, but it's there's still a lot of like rules that need so, to be better defined and can it, it's still not quite there. For I'm really bummed out. Cause I had COVID when steel was on the podcast. And so I was upstairs segregating from everybody else and I popped on late. And by the time I popped in, I was completely clueless. So at that point in time, I really didn't say anything the entire, you were pretty quiet, but what have, are your questions? I can't, I, I was just gonna, so can I, ugh. can I call you as a producer and say, Hey Mitchell, I want to collect my carbon. Can you? So we're working on a couple different like pilot projects right now, and that's where I was in North Carolina this morning. Okay, so I've been from North Carolina to West Central Minnesota here today, and I got to end up in Fargo in the morning here at some point. We'll see where the night takes us. <laughs> so right now, so like out there doing a pilot project with Rabobank, which is a massive freaking ag bank. And, and there's lots of different companies, of course, the, this whole carbon deal, there's a ton of different companies that are in on this, but at this point, you know, it's a lot of pilot phases and stuff. And right now they're set up where you have to like add all these new practices. It's called additionality and you have to change practices and then they'll pay you for 
your carbon footprint difference between what you were doing versus what you're going to do now. So really it's cost share for practice change. It's just a new cost share program. They're just looking at, okay, you were doing conventional till. Now you're going to do strip till. We'll pay you the difference. You were not using cover crop. Now you're going to use cover crop. We'll pay you the difference. Sure. So it has nothing to do with actual, Mm. like the carbon that you're actually getting in there. So what I'm trying to do is say, well, Hey, let's look at the actual carbon, your net annual additionality that you're getting in the soil at the end of the year and pay a guy based on that. Sure. Meaning the more innovative you can be, the more aggressive you can be, the further you can push it, the more you get paid. Yep. And today we don't necessarily have that. So, but it's very early. It's been crazy. Like I got into like the carbon stuff in 2019, kind of Indigo Ag did their carbon cup challenge. I won for the state of Iowa for already having the most carbon stored in my soil. You won the carbon cup. I won the carbon cup. Yep. No it was way. A big old, yeah. It was a big old like challenge deal. Drank a beer out of it. It was awesome. All this time, I had no idea. Yeah, Carbon Cup <laughs> champion of Iowa, basically the world. But yeah, so did like basically the Carbon the Cup, world. and then one of the one of the registries is the Climate Action Reserve, and I'm one of two farmers that's on the board that like helped with writing the protocols and stuff with the Climate Action Reserve. And now I know that we screwed up a lot of things, like additionality, and we copied and pasted too much. Like ag basically copied and pasted too much from like forestry. And other industries. I got in like, trouble for that in high tree. school once. <laughs> <laughs> Copy and paste. Too much. Yeah, it's you got in trouble for a lot of things in high school. <laughs> I, I couldn't pronounce half the words that was in my article. <laughs> it's a dead giveaway. That <laughs> yeah, happens. That's pretty much kind of how we've done it here in Ag. To he. Well, now we're trying to fix it. But there's a lot of research that's needed, a lot of data that's needed. I think that I think it can be an awesome opportunity for farmers. And I think the hype around it is obviously like massive. And of course, the administration is pushing on, you know, they really want to see it happen. I was invited to a meeting with the White House here a couple of weeks ago, and the White House is trying to figure out like how to quantify carbon. So there's like 70 people or so on like the meeting. And so been able to like kind of get in on some of the stuff and like try to figure out how to solve some of these problems. Not that I told them all my secrets. Some of the problems at the White House? No. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. No comment. No comment. Yeah. So what's the topic? Okay. I got a question for you. Maybe I've asked you this before. Carbon. And I know I asked Steele this. Let's say uh, eight years from now. What does carbon look like for a regular producer like me? Yeah. So I'm hoping that within eight years. Oh, you're taking a leak. Oh, I'll wait. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I'm hoping that within eight years that carbon is like something that you can easily navigate to understand like how to create a carbon credit. Like how do you actually do it on your farm? And you understand like, here's the data that's needed. Here's like the innovative ways that you can do it. Here's, how you, what we've been working on is how to reverse engineer a carbon credit. There's more so of a defined this, outline. So defined that outline in a defined path forward on like, here's this new asset. How do I create that? So like in yield today, we have like a pretty decent understanding of like, how do you create a bushel of corn? You got to have the right kind of seed and you want to push for good genetics. You got to fertilize it a certain way. You got to be able to take care of it a certain way. Like in terms of like a general understanding of it needs nutrients, it needs water, it needs sun, it needs, there's a path forward on like 
how to create that bushel. And then there's a lot of people that want to buy it and you know what the price is and they know what they're buying and you know what you're selling. So I hope that we can have more of that around carbon in terms of as a farmer, how do I create that asset? And as the buyer, what am I actually buying? And I really worry that like today, yeah, I don't think they're buying an actual carbon credit. I feel like they're buying cost share for practice change. We're only looking at the Delta in your carbon footprint, not what is your actual net sequestration? Are we actually fixing the problem? Is it okay if we back it up a kind of maybe a ways? Because yeah. we probably I still should, yeah. don't. Yeah, yeah. So a carbon credit, since Zach and I last had this conversation yeah. and he kind of clarified for <clears throat> things for me, I'm a little blurry on the lines again. But from what I remember, when when you explained it and I really understood it was when you broke it down, when you said how the NASCAR teams are using it. So it's like currency. Carbon credit is a currency. It's like a dollar bill. Okay. First of all, I think that's important. If you have no idea what a carbon credit is, it's a dollar bill. So a NASCAR team. (sighs) There is a NASCAR team out there claiming to be the first team that is carbon neutral. Okay. And when I first heard that, I'm like, well, like how, how, how can you claim that? You're a NASCAR team. You're obviously burning some you're burning fuel. You're burning fuel, tires. Your employees, you're burning tires, mm-hmm. like you're heating the shop. Oh, yeah. Well. They can buy credits from a farmer. They're buying credits from a farmer to change his practices or her practices to be more environmentally friendly. Mm. They're essentially, through a marketplace, through a middleman here, paying the farmer. To be. To be more environmentally sustainable. To offset their footprint. Yeah, yeah. Offset the yep. footprint. So the team itself, by themselves, is not carbon neutral. Correct. They're paying somebody else to offset their footprint. Exactly. So companies like corporate companies, like any corporate that's where company, these carbon credits are going. So to right? me, cardboard. The first factories. thing I think is okay. I, I'm a giant corporation with an ass load of money. Oh yeah. And I need to market to the common consumer. Yep. I'm going to claim carbon neutrality. Yep. And I'm just going to pay a few extra bucks to be able to put that label on my product. And in turn, I can actually pollute more if I can afford to pay more dollars for that. And then I'll put it on the backs of somebody out in rural America. Yep. And nobody will understand when, what's actually But happening. it is making a, a it, Yes. It, it does make a difference. A difference. But they, as they a do, whole. They are yes. regulated to also like cut back on their stuff. Like the company, they have to, they're saying, there's all these companies that are saying, oh, we're going to be you know, sustainable by 2030, we're going to be carbon negative by whatever the, we're all going to die, you know, and we got to be able to, to like get this broken down by like right now or 2050, whatever you throw out an arbitrary date, which is okay. And they say, we're going to be able to be negative by that time. Well, they do as much as they can within their means, but like Amazon they can only reduce their footprint by so much. They need cardboard boxes and they gotta have cardboard. They still they've have got a lot of fuel. Driving. Even, I mean, then they want to go all electric. Well, what do electric cars run off of? Coal. So coal energy. Coal Not electric. to mention the waste. So I just saw this weird thing on. We'll go off the rails for one brief second. I no, just saw, we do not go. No. Becky, this is straight and narrow. The yeah. batteries, Keep the cost the of the batteries of these electrical cars, when oh, yeah. the batteries go bad, the cost of the to replace the battery costs just as much as these cars. That was Re- always true with the golf carts. So to replace people, the battery? People, instead of replacing the battery, will just buy an entire new car. So in countries where like they're 
ahead of us here in the U.S., there's apparently, I don't know, don't quote me, please don't send me hate mail, or do, I don't care, whatever. But apparently there's this, like, junkyards that, like, we have here in the U.S., they're becoming, like, way more of an issue in these other places where electrical cars are becoming a thing because... Why would you buy a new battery when you could buy an entire yeah. new car? But, like even driving up to Minneapolis here the other day when I was getting up to the airport to go to Raleigh, there was a big old junkyard of all these windmill parts. And There's old issues windmill with stuff, everything. Huge, big old, big old pile right along the interstate. Just all this crap piled up on these green windmills. Can't now, we like shove that into a panda bear nest somewhere? We all know that time is money, and one of the best ways that you can save on both right now is with FBN Direct. You can shop for everything you need this season from their online store 24-7. That means 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, anytime. And with the new delivery transparency feature, you can now view the estimated delivery windows before you buy anything right online, right there on the site. FBN makes getting what I need in season quick and easy. We've actually got all our chemicals and all of our seed delivered right to our farm already. Head on over to FBN.com right now. And if you're not a member, that's not a problem because there's no fee to join. But with like, with all this stuff, I mean, it's all fine and dandy. Like we're not, I'm not like poo-pooing any of this stuff. And like, it's we're all, all part of- We're all trying to improve. We're it's learning. It's all part of it. We need to improve, whatever. But like- my whole deal is like, okay, we need to continuously move the needle. These companies yes. want to pay us to do that as farmers. Let's, if it works and if it's going to be profitable, which right now there's just so too much uncertainty around can participating directly be profitable for sure. Because if you're going to lose money doing it and the family farm goes out work. of business, no. Sustainability doesn't matter if the family farm is not. That's not sustainable, sustainable. right? Like, it's it's, sustainable. It, 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 well, you yeah. mentioned earlier that you were working on. So instead of just changing your practices to doing better, so basically you're getting rewarded yeah. to to change your practice to better. So the people that have already been doing better are getting penalized because now, like, they've already been doing better. So the guy that quotation marks right. is doing a shitty job. Yeah can do better and make yeah. more than the guy that was already doing To be better. fair, they need to like go and test everybody's soil and be like well, from square yeah. one. That's yeah, kind yeah, of what you were talking we earlier, right? Yeah, so typically where we start is like you quantify where are you at today. And then what you give them a like, right. you've been doing good, so yep. you get. Uh, nope. So you then nothing for if you've done good already. It All it is is that's your starting point. So it then, doesn't matter. Which, so what we need for that is regional baselines, regional benchmarks to say, hey, you are at the. 80th percentile for your county or for your. So then you would be area. getting rewarded for practices. But that doesn't, in. that doesn't. But that's a major today. flaw in the system. Huge. Because if I were a farmer right now listening to this, I would just be like, well, fuck my soil. I'm going to just fuck it and treat would, it like but shit it's, for I would the say, next five years. So, so that's a big thing. A farmer's not like, going to do that. Yeah, though, it's right? not worth it. The carbon credit to get 15 bucks a ton or 20, even 20 bucks a ton, it's not worth it to make. Because if you're in a no-till cover crop system, you've been doing it because you're making money and because you've already got that system to really work. So completely reversing what you've already done. I it's suppose. not going to make it's sense. Not gonna, yeah. It's not going to pay. Now, what needs to happen for the early adopters? Like, okay, so on our family farm, we started using no-till in 1978. 
We've been using cover crops since 2013. So we don't qualify for carbon markets today. Not to an extent that we You're can actually gonna, make a pay because our delta in our change of practices, it's not going to be worth it. So you're not, not going to get the mower plow out so that yeah. you can re Definitely not. qualify for carbon But credits. the data that I've got is in our upper profile of our soil, we're sequestering nearly five tons of carbon per acre per year based on some of the data we got in the upper profile. Now, I need better data to be able to stratify that down to a meter deep because these markets are based on sequestering carbon down to one meter deep in soil. So the top meter of your soil is where you can hold on to the carbon and be able to build it up over time. But we don't necessarily qualify. Now, I don't think a farmer should get paid for what they've already done. It's okay if some of the initial, you know, to get the credits flowing or whatever, there's a lot of companies that are looking at saying, hey, you've started these things within the last five years. We'll grandfather you in. That's okay, but... I think I'd rather look at what is your actual annual carbon footprint. And if you're sequestering carbon, pay you for what you're actually doing. And the more innovative you can be, the more you sequester, the more you can get paid. But what's, I mean, carbon is like this hot deal right now. And it's, it's interesting. It is a great opportunity for farmers. It's like saving the whales. It's saving the whales kind of stuff. And and it is, I mean, we know that CO2 numbers in the atmosphere are high. We can pull them down. We know how to do it and people want to pay us to do it. So as farmers, let's be innovative. Let's figure it out. Let's gather the right data and showcase, hey, let's let's do it. Let's work together. You know, farmers have been pointed at as part of the issue of that, of the carbon in the atmosphere, of Gulf of Mexico issues or whatever. But, well, hey, let's be part of the solution. And their money's green. We know how to deliver the solution. Let's go do it. But- now then a farmer needs to then turn to, okay, well, how do I do it? Just throwing out a cover crop doesn't always work. And Zach, I mean, obviously you've seen that, like just going to no-till and cause that, that's a huge issue on, I mean, you guys in Minnesota have seen that overbearing regulation and one size fits all regulation is not the way to do this at all. Every farm has a different path forward. And then every farm, and that goes back to reverse engineering carbon. If, okay, here's the goal sequester carbon. Here's the goal. Improve water quality. Here's the goal. Hold more water to reduce flooding. Cool. Okay. Well, here's how you can get there and reverse engineer that outcome for what best fits your farm, figure it out. And here's the reward that you can gain from being innovative to drive more of these outcomes that everybody Yeah. Wants. So a question that I have then is obviously on field work, you guys talk a lot about the success stories of this type of farming that you do where you're at, Mitchell. Exactly and, what we're talking about here. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. in where we live here in central Minnesota, there is not nearly as much as what you do in Washington, but, right. and not because farmers don't want to, or, you know, they're not interested in it. It's just because it's just so different here. Our soil is so much heavier. It really like they have tried it. It doesn't work. You know, they're still trying, but it's been proven not as successful. So then when you're talking about putting a value on the carbon credit, like you're, you're talking about in my brain, I'm thinking you're talking about rewarding farmers in maybe different climates, you know, for, because it's a possibility for them. Whereas in our area or maybe in Canada, it's not possible to the same extent where it's possible where you're at. So that's, I suppose, part of the big issue, maybe. I, I, think I don't there, know. I think there are still steps that you can take to still do better, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so and you got a great point, Becky, on like 
you have to be a lot more creative in different geographies and like, but part of it. So the further North you are, the less days you have to sequester the carbon because the carbon gets into your soil via photosynthesis. Right. You got to have active growing plants to be able to do that. Well, you guys have a lot more days of it's frozen. We don't have a whole lot of photosynthesis going on during those days. However, you have to really optimize the days that you do have photosynthesis going on because in the days that are frozen, you don't have the loss in the oxidation of the carbon that you sequestered when it was nice out. That's why your soils are so heavy and so like rich up here in such deep topsoil Yeah, for the most, you know, for the majority of where right. we're at right here is because this was the original prairie that had good photosynthesis and good diversity going on through a good part of the year. And then it was frozen for a majority of the year. So it wasn't, so it, it wasn't cycling through. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of that carbon was getting pumped in the ground and then it was staying there and it wasn't being lost as often like down South they are cycling carbon all the time. So they can pump carbon into the soil all the time, but they can also lose it all the time. Just as fast. Which is why they yep. can't build organic matter. Well, but they can if they keep it going all the time. So like Adam okay. Chapel, we had on the so fieldwork podcast. Keeping like the cover crops going. Yeah, you got to keep it all the time because you have loss all the time. Okay. Here in West Central Minnesota, you don't necessarily have as much loss all the time. Sure. And that's just part of, it's just a balance. I mean, and that's what all this boils down to. No matter where you're at, no matter where you're farming, it's being able to take the overall principles. But it almost. And like, it, it's just tweaking it, you know? And and part of it, yeah, you got to be creative. And we've But it almost seems like there's going to have to be some sort of like exchange rate on this carbon dollar. Like, yep. I mean, depending on where you're at, like a dollar is worth here more than it's worth in Europe or wherever across the world. Like, a carbon dollar shouldn't be worth the same here in Minnesota as it is in Florida because of just the differences is kind of what I, I don't know. There should it's be actually an, a good point. I've never heard of that. I was kind of thinking the same on thing. The carbon, like, I feel like it's actually a really good idea. We've been a little too serious for a little too long here. Does anyone have a dick joke? <laughs> <laughs> I think that was at Randy. I don't. No, I I wasn't. Thanks for nothing. (laughs) But I do want to switch gears. We were rolling pretty hard on that. Well, Becky made a damn good point. Yeah, Becky made a good point. To finish it up, I think your gears, Randy. (laughs) (laughs) This is an explicit podcast. The president's going to call me tomorrow, and he's going to be like, "Tell me more about your idea, Becky." Hey, Becky. (laughs) Becky, this this is Joe. I'm in a toaster <laughs> next to a beaver dam because I like zebras. <laughs> That's probably pretty much exactly how it would go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much exactly like that. I mean, that's what it kind of looks like man. when he called me. Yeah. You know, the thing, the, what we're going to do with the, the, with the, the thing. thing with the, the we're going to do that. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's actually a really good point. But I think to your point, though, it's not just about carbon. It's water quality, it's water optimization, it's nutrient density, it's all these other things that are also going to be important to the taxpayer, to the consumer. And and it's, to me, all these different deals and like sustainability, regenerative, soil health, whatever you want to call it. There's a million and 12 different buzzwords around all this. It all boils down to we got to feed more people with better quality food in a better manner for environment, for water, whatever but it's got to be resilient and profitable through the whole thing. Right. That's what all this boils down to. And as family farms, like that's what we want. I mean, if we're going to be farming for 
another 150 years on our family's land, then it's, we got to be able to really continue to build things up and, and be able to drive. And we know that we've definitely decreased a lot of our carbon in our soils. We've decreased organic matter in our soils, decreased a lot of our biological diversity and stuff. And it's because the market has driven us to this system and that's fine. I mean, we have been driven into the system because as American producers, we are, you know, amongst the best in the world at producing corn, soybeans, other commodities incredibly efficiently and be very competitive. But in doing that and in driving as the only outcome that we want to gain is yield, we've kind of gone away from looking at some of these other outcomes that are also pretty important. But being able to change the system now, that's what the hard part is. Yeah. And there's money being poured in the system. But as we know, it's not just about money. Right. There's cost share dollars. But it's a damn efficient system. It's a damn efficient system. We're very good at it. And changing things is not going to happen overnight. But there is a lot of push for it. And, And I don't know that it's going away. I think farmers need to at least be trying to figure out like, you don't have to go and do no-till, cover crop, multi-species, all this stuff on every acre. That's not that's not going to happen. But to be able to look at, here's the outcomes. They want me to try to lower my carbon footprint. You know, I want to lower my impact on water quality. I want to be able to hold on to more water and infiltrate more water and reduce flooding. Cool. I think we can all continue to move the needle and do that and then just be creative on how that works for your farm. And to the point, it's going to be totally different for every geography, for every different farm. Even, I mean, with my neighbors and stuff, it's it's totally different for, yeah. for everybody. That's, I struggle a little bit with it. I don't necessarily quite understand it all. And then at the same time, so all of those things, you know, most farmers are already doing because, I mean, what's what's good for the soil and what's good for everything else is what's good for their bottom line. Right. You know, so to me, it's a little bit of a feel-good thing. Like it makes everybody feel warm and fuzzy inside, but I I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, I understand where you're getting at, but also like we do know that we have like lost a lot of our topsoil. We have a problem. There's some real problems. There's some real problems. And, and I think we've realized like, okay, we are part of the problem. Yeah. We need to be part of the solution. I don't think nobody planned on that. We didn't, we don't want to. But that's what I mean. Like, so now, so we have lost a lot of our topsoil and yeah. different things. So I don't know too many farmers out there that are, well, I know of a couple, but you're not <laughs> going to change your mind whether it's through carbon credits or not. Right. But for the rest of us, I don't know that we're like, ah, I see we're losing some topsoil today. Like, oh, well. Yeah. I don't know that throwing a few dollars at them for carbon credits is going to change that. Either you're, either no, you're there you or you're not. I don't know if I'm explaining dollars. that quite if right. If you're a smart if, farmer, dollars are dollars, it's right? Gotta right. It's, it's, it's got to be economics. And I do know of a few on my way to work. I can pick out two guys that I'm like, you can see this every freaking year. Yeah. The, the Your soil in the road ditch. The gravel yeah. on the side of the tar road is black. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and I'm talking there's there's one guy here. So it's, you know, it's a quarter land that he farms along the highway. Yeah. And it blows like it drifts across the road every year because he works at 19 times. He plants just wheat and soybeans. So th- of course that's what everybody sees and takes pictures of and sends around and around and around. Oh, yeah. But, but it's, you know, that's the one guy I know of that has the one quarter. But yeah. every bad farming apples. community has that guy. Just There's like bad apples every, in every, 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 community, every industry, yes. every industry, every community has that guy. Well, and then you can out. point out the attempts by certain companies that I won't name that have purchased land in the name of, having it managed to a sustainable 
their yeah, quote unquote their sustainable, definition. right? Yeah, yeah. So and that they flopped. can put it on their food label yep. and it becomes an environmental disaster. Oh, yeah. yeah. Something, because they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. Something that's really stood out to me is that, you know, everybody knows about the Dust Bowl, right? And how terrible it was and how bad the farmers effed I it all a book up. about and, it, actually. You know, like everybody knows about that. The and, plow meets and, their, the, and the farmers, all the, the farmers plow. know how bad that situation got to be a lot of because of what they did, you know. And something that I'm starting to realize is that people that are not in the egg world, you know, when I'm in, I don't know, certain groups on Facebook, foraging groups or whatever, weird groups on Facebook, and they're just, you know, the farmers just strip the ground on, down to nothing and they're doing absolutely nothing and they don't give a rat's ass. And, you know, here they have to go and pump all this fertilizer into their ground and that ground wouldn't grow anything if they didn't pump Could the- you write down the name of some of these groups for me, please? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then explain under each one why- but a lot of it seems, you know- <laughs> Hanging out with these people on the internet. Going back to the whole reason why Zach kind of started the millennial farmer thing is that farmers have come so far in the past 25, 50 years and what they've done, but what they lacked on was sharing what they actually, you know, the difference that they've made up in that really a short amount of time, how far farmers have really come and the equipment and And all of it. We've definitely come a, a super far way, of course, and we still have a long way to go, but like even just two years ago, there was a dust storm coming up from Texas, Oklahoma. Yep. And my truck and like our doors and stuff at home was coated in red dirt we had, from Texas. Yeah. So the Dust Bowl stuff, it still is it's happening. It's there right now. for sure. And that's so, that's a shitload of no-till down there, right? Like the panhandle no, of Texas and Oklahoma. There's isn't still it all, a isn't bunch it? of it. That's yeah. There's still that's a bunch pretty heavy of it tillage. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, big heavy tillage. But they're yeah. working like at least the ones I follow, you know, they are implementing cover crops and they are there's uh, some more push, but it's still like pretty dang rampant. Well, and, and I, I mean, been, I don't farm in that area, but yeah. I mean, it all comes down to the fact that what do we have almost 7 billion yeah. people or I we mean, have over 7 billion people. Yeah, I think we're over 7 billion now, but I mean, I've, I've been kind of all over the country here this year. And like earlier this spring, I was, you know, working on some projects all over the country and I was pretty discouraged early on at like some of the stuff I was seeing in Arkansas, seeing in, in North Carolina, seeing in some of these areas where it is hot. A lot of times and they oxidize a lot of carbon, they they till the crap out of it and then they're doing it for like drainage purposes and for like getting rid of water purposes. Like they really work the ground. They have like these different channels and stuff to get rid of the water. And I mean, that soil, like you couldn't really tell the difference if you were on earth or on the moon. It was like white soil that this stuff would have started at 10% organic matter. And now it's down to maybe a half a percent. So like, all of that is gone. gone. It's completely gone. That There's no earthworms. There's no microbial activity. There's no life in that soil. And they're just pumping. But more so for me, I'm like, guys, like, like that's not my driver. The whales will figure out things for themselves. But it's, <laughs> we got to be able to make this profitable. We got to be able to make things like be realistic. And like, I want that family's kids and grandkids and great grandkids to be able to have a lot of success in farming and not have to pay for all these additional inputs and stuff into it. And that's what we're seeing on our farm. Like we're not doing it for, you know, the environmental outcomes or whatever. Like that's the cherry on top. That's like additional things. That's not why we're doing what we're doing. We're doing what we're doing to make money. It's a family farm, a small farm, and we got to make every pay. It's our livelihood. That's how you pay the bills. That's how you put food on the table. And I mean, now we've been able to decrease our NPK by 45%, decrease pesticides by 75%. Still drive like 
maximum yields. We haven't lost yields at all. Still driving them up. We can infiltrate four inches of rainfall now in less than five minutes. So like we've had a couple decent rains, not this year. Of course, it's been fairly dry everywhere. We're doing better than you guys are here in West central Minnesota, but, but I mean, to be able to infiltrate an inch of rain in less than six seconds, not that often do you get, even at like my four inch rain, you know, stat, right. Not that often do you get a four inch rain in an hour, but we can take that in in five minutes and hold that on our soils and be resilient. And that's where, you know, we're able to hold off where we had like last year, our drought was worse than this year and we were able to be okay. But how is the federal government ever going to be able to mandate something like this on a national scale level? Like it, because it's so different. I mean, just in Minnesota, one corner to another is so. Well, because of the thing that we're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. The thing, you know, the one thing, that thing, the thing. Come on, but man. Just right now, we have a great point. Everything <laughs> we're doing to me right now, yep. it sounds like it's just a big Freaking waste of time because yep. there's no possible way. I mean, we can't even get everybody health care at this point in time. And you're telling me that we're going to, I don't know. Yeah, but you have, so you have a good point. So it can't be one size fits all. That's why regulation and government is not necessarily the way to do this. The only place for like government and for that is to enable free market to be able to go and figure this out and be able to make it profitable and be able to make it scalable that's how this is going to be able to actually work long scale. So other people want us to improve their water. Other people want us to hold on to water so that they don't have flooding and they have to rebuild the houses or rebuild dikes and levees and stuff like that. Other people want us to hold on to carbon. Great. Okay. What are you willing to pay for that? And, and with carbon, that's why I don't like carbon that much. It's too arbitrary. We can't really hold it in our hand, but there's billions of dollars spent on flood mitigation on dikes and levees on rebuilding homes on insurance claims. And if those dollars were better put up here as farmers, we could build wetlands. We could build different terraces. We could build, we could hold onto that water via ponds and stuff. And and, and of course, you know, to my point, improving water infiltration and water holding capacity by building organic matter, we could drastically decrease the expense downriver. They would be money ahead we'd be money ahead. And now you have a free market capitalistic system that is ongoing forever. Let the farmers, they're do making their money and thing. we're making money. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. but well, it's, it's letting the farmers do their own thing, but better understanding, Hey, I want you to help me to not have my house get flooded or my business get flooded. Or we have to build all these like levees on our city. So it doesn't flood. Well, Hey, can you guys help us to fix the problem? We're going to spend, there's huge projects going on in Iowa and stuff around this hundreds of millions of dollars. Let's deploy those resources upriver because a lot of these, especially edge of field practices and stuff like that, it costs a farmer a lot of money and we don't necessarily see the direct return for like the wetland. Okay, great. There's some benefits or whatever, you know, implementing diversity or whatever. That's great. But we don't necessarily see it to our bottom line. It's not coming into the farmer's pocket. It's not going to your bottom line money-wise necessarily. But now somebody else can help us to implement that, help us to be able to work together and be able to do, you know, the big buzzword is public-private partnerships and stuff, which is great. But let's work together. Let's identify what the real outcomes need to be. Let's not just mandate and say, here, check the box on, here's these only these couple things that you can do to solve the problem. Say, hey, Here's our, here's the things we want to solve. Help us to do it 
and let's be innovative and let's work together to identify the actual outcomes and allow the farmers to work together to be able to showcase, hey, here's what I'm doing. Here's my outcome. Here's how I helped you to contribute to solving the problem. Let's work together and let's scale this. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> as easy as that. So, but, but what, what we're working on is like, okay, so, you know, back to additionality and back to these carbon deals and kind of wrap that up. So like carbon today, it's identify, here's the practices that you were doing. Now you're going to agree to do different practices. We'll pay you for like what the model says your carbon footprint was before versus what your carbon footprint is now based on the model. I think I'm, we just need Tom Cruise to be here and just be like, show me the money. Yeah. That was actually the title but, of a, so a fieldwork podcast. So but that's a really good point though, Becky, because it's not just, Hey, here's money because there's dollars out there. There's cost your dollars out there, but throwing out that cover crop, it's not that easy Throw, right. being able to change your practice. It's not that easy. So it's what I always say. It's okay. Here's these outcomes that we want to drive. Cool. Okay. How are we going to logistically and economically make it work? It's not, so here's lots of ways to get the economics to work, but how do we do it? How do we actually implement? And there's, it's different for every geography. Like you were saying, Becky, like every geography is going to be different. Every farm is going to be a little different, but as long as we focus on the outcomes, not necessarily the path towards getting there, everyone's had their, has their own path, but as long as they can continue to drive what the outcome is, there we go. I can tell by the way you talk about this that you're being fake and you don't really care about it. At yeah, all. yeah, I don't care about <laughs> it. But I mean, I I didn't think that I was going to like get into this at all. Like I said, I mean, I started Continuum Mag as like an agronomy company doing soil sampling, helping farmers like locally in Southeast Iowa, guys I'd known for forever. Now this carbon thing started picking up and and it's overall, it's, it's ecosystem service markets is the overall concept here of it's not all just carbon, but there's a lot of things. Yeah. And it's very interesting. And for me, I'm passionate about it because I care about family farms. I care about rural communities and I care about being able to. What office have, are you running for? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It might sound political enough, but yeah, but, but it's the opportunities here, but it's the wild west right now. Farmers don't know how to navigate this. The rules are definitely wrong as they are today. We need to fix them. I understand what needs to happen to go and fix them and just trying to be able to help and implement. And what's crazy is like, I mean, some of the discussions now are saying like, Hey, yeah, there are some flaws here. Obviously a lot of farmers are not just jumping in and not everybody's jumping on board on this deal. There's a lot of skepticism. Like this has been talked about as a, as a big, like the headline for two years now, but there's only a handful of farmers that I know of at least that have actually gotten paid for carbon credits. Like very few, at least like, especially any type of significant. But you do, you do know some dollar. that have gotten paid. Oh yeah. But you Just are also in touch with, if there's anybody that's ever gotten paid for this to this point. Correct. You I would know about it. At least in the U S I mean, there's other markets, there's carbon markets have been around for multiple other decades. countries. I'm sure France is forestry, on it. Yeah. So forestry well, markets forestry. in the U S. Oh yeah. Forestry is huge. So most Steel of the carbon credits. That. Yeah, most of the carbon credits that have been sold in the U.S. are all for forestry. So it's either preserving forest or adding new forest. There's like kind of two different ways to do it. So there's mitigation credits and there's sequestration credits. It's like, yeah, that's a whole different deal. When I was a kid, I loved the movie Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> I still love that movie. It's I a damn good movie. Forrest, I haven't Forrest made Gump. it through it. 
What? Never made move. This is so embarrassing. Nope. I like we're gonna have. I've to also come never over. tried to watch it past the age of like fifteen. Oh, it's like it, it's history in a nutshell. Like if I've you, seen, I've seen many parts. You like don't even here, need, there, there, everywhere. But but I've always, especially at that age, for me to get me to sit down and watch a movie, but, like. I've got to really be engaged. Or that I'm like, the, ah, I a, could find something else to do. Damn good the movie. The best man. part yeah. about it. it was that like, it was high school history in a movie, in a nutshell, in a really in good movie. In an entertaining, movie. like hilarious and way. And it like literally covered pretty much everything they covered. I know, in, we've I, talked like, about this before oh, and I, I yeah. clearly so need to give it another good. shot. But you, you do, I want to watch it again because like now, because I you just feel like. You got to start it after the kids go to bed. Oh, so so it has popped oh, no, on. Oh, Milo would get into it, I bet. So it has popped on like three quarters of the way through, and then I'll finish watching to the end. And then like mm-hmm. one other time, I'll watch fifteen minutes here, or I'll watch, but but to actually hardcore sit down because isn't it, it's a long movie too, right? Yeah, it's yeah, like a three, two and a half, hour, three hour movie. Yeah, yeah and my Which I guarantee I haven't watched it from beginning to end. My attention span have an to edible get me to sit and watch in front the of something movie. for three hours. Be good. That's what I would need. I would need an edible to get me to just sit there. <laughs> Stay. Stay. Sit. You're going to eat this gummy bear and yeah, you're going to like it. I have a problem it. with that, too. I, I struggle to sit down and watch it. It has to be a really good movie. It's got to grab me from the beginning yeah. or I'm getting up and I'm doing something else. Yep. Zach and I just watched, what was it? From like our 20s, the movie from our- Varsity uh, Blues. Euro Trip. Euro Trip. Oh, Not as old as Varsity that. Blues. No, Euro we watched trip. that the other night. And I could like- recite like every line from it. Haven't watched a damn thing since Nothing 2006. Nothing like Forrest Gump, but still, it was fun to watch a movie from so like way back when. So do I just let my flag when- fly? <laughs> <laughs> the chick was still hot. <laughs> the girls, the never, girls came. never came. The girls never came. <laughs>